Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese culture and history through historical Chinese TV dramas. We are your hosts, Karen and Kathy. Welcome to our last podcast discussion of the story of Minglan or Zhifo, Zhifo, Ying Shi Lu Fei Hong Shou. Thank you all so much for joining us on this journey. We discussed all 73 episodes of this drama, and today we are going to chat about some key themes in the drama as well as last thoughts on certain characters. Then we'll talk about many of the things that we learned in this drama, both from a history perspective and on a more personal note. And we'll end with a little bit more of a free-form discussion on our favorite characters and aspects of the drama. The drama had many themes throughout the entire show, but in my mind, the key theme that kept on popping up over and over again is the phrase, 父母是爱子,则为之计深远. Which translates to, a parent's love is to plan far in advance for them. We saw throughout this drama the length that parents went to plan for their children, and also a few examples of where parents didn't do this. Let me start out by chatting about Madame Qin, because we didn't get to talk about her, uh, I guess, final scenes in the last episode of the drama. So I want to make sure that we discuss her character, especially as it ties to this theme of a parent's love for their children. She's an interesting character because she not only did think about her children, but was also a victim of the time. Certainly, we can say lots of despicable things about Madame Qin because of the things that she did towards Gu Tingye and Minglan, namely trying to kill them. But she is also a loving mother. Her biggest tragedy was being born in the time she did. As she exclaimed in The Roaring Fire before she passed, the Gu family destroyed her sister and her in order to save face by marrying the Bai family, which then destroyed her too. You could say that the main culprit in this story is the Gu family's greed and need to save face. If we recall, the Gu family had no money left to pay debts and needed to marry the likes of the Bai family, who were of the merchant class and way below in terms of social status compared to the Gu family and also the Qin family. But the Gu family needed them to pay off debts with the Bai family dowry. So in order to marry the Bai family daughter as a proper wife, the original Madame Qin, so this current Madame Qin's older sister, was divorced, which caused her to die of illness or of a broken heart soon after. After the death of the Bai family daughter, or Gu Tingye's mother, the younger Qin sister was married into the Gu family as well, perhaps as a way to repay for the sins towards the older sister. But as Madame Qin expressed, she never experienced her husband's love because he only loved her older sister. Under such tragic circumstances, it is understandable why Madame Qin would hate Gu Tingye and want to take the marquee title for her own son. She feels that the Gu family owes it to her and her son for everything she has suffered. Unfortunately, reality never went according to her plan as Gu Tingye grew up to be extremely capable while her son... Mm, had no ambition of being a marquee. 
What is important and something I want to dissect is that her last act as a mother was to push her son down the well. In doing so, this actually cuts off any doubt that her son was involved in the rebellion or any plot against Gu Tingye. This isn't stated anywhere in the drama, but if you look at it, she is actually protecting her son. In the scene where she recognizes that they've been duped and that Gu Tingye is not actually dead, she thought for an instant and said, I need to toss my son into the well. Because now her son Gu Tingwei could truthfully say that he didn't know anything about the plot against Ming Lan. His older brother Gu Tingye could still retain relationships with him and take him under his wing when Madame Qin died. When Madame Qin died, it's unfortunate because I actually could only feel sadness. There was no real vindication in seeing her burst into the flames because she never experienced any love in her own life and everything she worked for uh, to get a sense of control went to dust. She loves her son, but she couldn't take it anymore. So as her last act, she pushed him away. You could hear Gu Tingwei's screams that Gu Tingye agreed to let him inherit the title as long as Madame Tin comes out of the fire, but she totally doesn't care anymore. Say what you will about Madame Tin in the drama, at least she did love her son, and this is what I wanted to explain about her last scenes in episode 73. Despite her being full of despair, she knew what she needed to do to ensure that her son remained prosperous, and so that's why she pushed him down the well, and there you have it. At the end of the drama, we see Gu Tingwei and Gu Tingye remain on good terms. Next, let's talk about Ping Ning Junzhu, or Princess Ping Ning. She is the mother of Qi Hong. Now, she is a very traditional and, quite frankly, haughty woman. She only had the one son and believed that honor and propriety was the only path forward for him. Quite honestly, she did raise an upstanding young gentleman. Like we've said before, many noblemen did not decide to pass the imperial entrance exams. They just decided, hey, I will uh, inherit a title and live off of my inheritance. But Qi Hong didn't pursue that path. He decided to take the imperial entrance exams and passed. The princess had every right to be proud of her son and maintain a tight grip on him. But that also led to the tragedy of Qi Hong's first marriage. Qi Hong's weakness and the princess's iron will meant that Qi Hong was never going to marry Minglan. Princess Pingning knew that her son will or would inherit the dukedom. How can he marry for quote-unquote love and to a shu chu daughter at that? I won't say I agree with the princess, but I get where she's coming from. In the drama, mother and son come to terms with Qi Hong's new marriage, but it took like two coups and Qi Hong having to be a widow before all this growth uh, and for Pingning Junju or the princess to accept um, Qi Hong's choices and for Qi Hong to finally accept that uh, he will never ever marry. 
Next up is Manyang. She is probably the worst mother of all the characters in the show. She didn't truly love her children and is opposite of the phrase 父母之爱子. She only viewed them as pawns who she could leverage against Gu Tingye, namely to get him back. In the drama, we don't see much of her with her son because her son dies off screen. However, based on how she treated Rongjie, we can see that she didn't care much about her daughter, going so far as to threaten her to kill Minglan and straight up knocking Rongjie unconscious in the closing episodes. Manyang is a terrible woman and mother. But I, for one, am actually quite glad that the drama gave us this character because too often we always see um, mothers who, you know, even if they're terrible women, are redeemed by the fact that they are great mothers. We actually have a couple of instances in the drama, at least, in which uh, that is not the case. One is here for... Manyang, and then the other is um, Madame Kang. Now let's move on to the Sheng women. First up is Mistress Lin or Lin Xiaoyang. Have we forgot about her yet? We haven't seen her in such a long time, but she was so crucial in the beginning of the drama. This is a woman who loved her children, but didn't teach her children how to behave as more than children of a concubine. What do we mean by this? Mistress Lin spent a lot of time teaching her daughter, Muolan, how to capture the gaze and heart of a man, aka Liang Han. But Mistress Lin didn't teach Muolan much about how to run a proper household. Let's see why. Muolan spends all of her time battling it out with her husband's many concubines using her mother's usual tricks of force-feeding the pregnant women with all of the best nutrition, thereby endangering the woman, similarly to what Lin Xiangyang did to Minglan's mother. Muolan never gets the respect from her mother-in-law because all Liang Han is doing is spending time with his women, let alone get a job. If Liang Han doesn't get a job, how will he support his family? Don't know. A proper wife should be able to guide her husband on the right path and manage uh, a household. Unfortunately, we don't see Mulan doing any of that. Well, maybe at, at the drama's resolution. Let's contrast that to what Minglan teaches Rongjie, accounting and household management. These are lessons that Mistress Lin didn't know or didn't view as a priority. Mistress Lin's idea of making it meant marrying Mulan into nobility as a proper wife. That's it. Once Mulan achieved that, she, of course, would then be treated as a proper wife too, surpassing that of Madame Wang. This is, of course, wishful thinking. The system was too hierarchical. No matter what, Mistress Lin would not have been respected as a proper madam of the household. And let's take a look at how she raised her son, Changfeng. Yes, she pushed Changfeng to study and pass his exams. However, she also allowed him to go to brothels and rub shoulders with other bureaucrats and officials because she believed that it'll help him win favor. What did that do for Changfeng? Almost get his father killed because his words were heard by the emperor and the emperor was really pissed off at Sheng Hong. 
Changfeng only turned straight uh, after she passed, and we didn't really see it in the drama, but Kathy elaborated it, uh, on this in um, retelling of what happened in the book. But Changfeng managed to become modestly successful due to his wife, who was not beautiful, but really good at managing a household and keeping her husband on track. So Changfeng ultimately ended up a decent guy, but only after he left the, I guess, influences of his mother and sister. All in all, Mistress Lin is a mother or was a mother who loved her children, but just not correctly. Next, let's talk about Madam Wang or Wang Dan Yangzi. I love this woman so much because she is so hilarious, at least in the drama. She has all the best lines. If you look on Chinese social media right now, this character is having somewhat of a renaissance because people are making hilarious videos of her. For those of you who can speak Chinese, I highly, highly recommend you start uh, Googling them. I think they're on YouTube, but they are very funny. Well, what to say about this woman? Madam Wang's heart is in the right place, especially with her children. She is just easily manipulated. However, if we contrast Madam Wang to Mistress Lin, we'll see the difference in behavior between a Danyangzi or wife to a Xiaoyang or concubine. Madam Wang, for all of her faults, raised upstanding children. Let's take a look. The first, the oldest, Hua Lan, she is well-liked in the capital, was able to successfully save her marriage, although a lot of what you can say for her upbringing is because Grandma Sheng had a hand in raising Hua Lan. But Hua Lan is the older sister that I guess all the Sheng family or Sheng family kids want. Next up is, of course, the best older brother, Chang Bai. He focused on his studies and passed his imperial entrance exams. Again, one might say, you know, that might just be Chang Bai innately being very, very uh, intelligent. But Madame Wang did put a lot of focus on Chang Bai's education. And lastly, we have Rulan. Although she's not as intelligent as her older sister, she, towards... Um, the later half of the series was still able to keep a firm grip on her household, and she married for love. Rulan in the book really, really grew up, and I think that, you know, to no small benefit is due to Madame Wong. Madame Wong's children turned out all right because she steered them in the right direction. As Minglan said, Grandma Sheng chose Madame Wong for a daughter-in-law because in the end, Madame Wang was a kind-hearted person. Madame Wang might cause a ruckus, but there was a reason why she kept losing to Mistress Lin. It's because when it came down to it, Madame Wang always did the best she could for her family and her children, not herself. Let's take a look at this example. She accepted her punishment to be exiled for 10 years when she heard that her son Chang Bai would give up his position at court to basically repent for her sins of having a hand in poisoning Grandma Sheng. For the other mothers, I don't think Mistress Lin would have accepted. She would have been like, oh my God, this is not my fault. 
Um, I was coerced to do it. Let's compare uh, Madame Wong to her sister, Madame Kong, who totally was just swearing up and down, saying everything was not her fault. So in the end, Madame Wong might not have been the most intelligent woman, but she was a loving and doting mother that cared for her children. Now, the person in the drama from the Sheng family that we see cares or exhibits the theme of is, of course, Grandma Sheng. She is a woman who overcame many, many hardships. Think about it. She didn't have her own biological children, but raised Sheng Hong from um, a concubine and chose to raise him up as the master of the house and then decided to raise Ming Lan. Grandma Sheng is someone who thinks very calculatingly, but is also quite clear-headed in all the machinations of what makes something or some relationships successful, whether it's marriage, family relationships, etc. She knew that Aunt Kang was not someone that Madame Wong should spend time with and repeatedly warned Madame Wong, even though Madame Wong ignored her ultimately. But Grandma Shang knew from the get-go that Aunt Kang was someone who would cause harm to the Shang family. For Ming Lan, she was always thinking about who would be the best match for Ming Lan in order to marry. We will talk a little bit more about some of the things or key learnings from Grandma Shang, but overall, Grandma Shang is someone who constantly thinks about their children's future. Other people who thought about their children that we won't go into uh, quite as in-depth, but I do want to raise, number one, Minglan's mother. She forced Minglan on her own deathbed, so Minglan's mother's deathbed, that she needed to go and live or spend time with Grandma Shep. Minglan's mom knew that only that way could Minglan survive and actually grow up healthy because if she didn't, Minglan probably would have died of neglect or would have ended up in an abusive uh, household if uh, she was under the likes of Mistress Lin or Madame Wong. Someone else that's probably a little bit far removed because we didn't even see him in the drama is Gu Tingye's grandfather, right? Gu Tingye's mom's dad really wanted her, her, his daughter to marry into nobility in order to escape the title of being from the merchant class. Even though they were duped by the Gu family into uh, the means of how they were getting married, meaning the Gu family didn't tell the Bai family that they were actually going to uh, divorce the original wife. But for the grandfather, this was his way of trying to protect his daughter and ensure that she had a bountiful and healthy life in the future. Little did he know that she actually was walking straight into a trap set up by the Gu family. But that wasn't something that Gu Tingye's grandfather could have really known beforehand. It was a tragedy. Um, we will say that the main culprit is, again, society at the time. But I do just want to highlight that Gu Tingye's grandfather was thinking about his children or his daughter's future. Last person I do want to bring up is Gu Tingye's brother. 
When he passed, he basically gave the entire Gu family fortune and power and title over to Gu Tingye because he saw that only Gu Tingye would be able to protect his soon-to-be widowed wife and his daughter. Gu Tingye's brother, for whatever you say about what he did to Gu Tingye, is a great father. In the brief scenes we saw between him and his daughter, Xianjie, he really cared about her future. And so he thought and he or he analyzed who in the room or in the Gu family would actually protect Xianjie. And the only person who would do that is actually Gu Tingye. That's why Gu Tingye's brother, Gu Tingyu, was willing to give up the title or pass on the title to Gu Tingye and give all of the money over to Gu Tingye as well because he felt that Gu Tingye would be the only person to protect his family. What are some other key learnings from this drama? For me, this drama not only focused on history, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but it also made me think a lot about relationships. I think this drama is so popular because not only are we enjoying the environment that is portrayed in the Song Dynasty, but also because the relationship issues that were portrayed are very realistic or also applicable to real life. What do I mean? In this drama, I learned that or what it meant to marry up or marry down for both men and women. Grandma Sheng mentioned that it's very important to marry at the same level or what in Chinese we call men dang hu dui. While I don't think that's necessary, and we see many examples in the drama itself where this doesn't happen, meaning that uh, a woman marries above her socioeconomic status or a man uh, marries above or below, etc. I think this drama really showcased the difficulties that arise when uh, you don't recognize yourself that you're marrying into a family of not equal status, both socially and economically. Having a clear uh, insight into the type of family you're marrying into and the status and kind of what changes that you're going to expect is important for long-term marital success. It's funny because when you're younger, you think, oh, there's a Cinderella story, right? And you would scoff at the idea of which is a term that I heard before um, with older relatives who maybe were more conservative. Um, but in seeing this drama, you can see that there is love uh, or at least affection between two people. But oftentimes when you are not at the same socioeconomic status or level, conflicts do arise. Case in point, Minglan and Qi Hong. Through these marriages, also, we do see uh, how women should learn to protect themselves. And I will talk about a lot of these kind of themes from a more female perspective, because um, this drama is largely through the lens of 
Ming line as it is a story of Ming line. So, you know, take this with a grain of salt. You can, of course, apply it to the other gender. But I think it is important for, you know, Grandma Shen would say Rulan, who married, you could say, down, was being bullied by her mother-in-law, right? Uh, and Grandma Shen would say, like, no, we cannot accept this because we did marry down. So things like that to kind of think about of how to protect yourself is important as a woman. And also the challenges you would face if you marry up. Tons and tons of examples of that with Minglan marrying Gu uh, Tingye. So you just have to be prepared for that. In terms of personal relationships or romantic relationships, this drama was refreshing because it showed how important it is for women or honestly, for anyone to recognize when it is time to move on, as was the case with Minglan and Qi Hong. And to recognize when a relationship is not meant to be. In Qi Hong's case, he was great on a number of levels, but he was not fighting for Minglan. He did not have the courage to choose Minglan in the face of outside pressures, especially his parents. Um, and so it is important to look within yourself to see if that relationship is the one you want when your partner is not going to stand up for yourself. Minglan, I thought, was so strong in recognizing that he, Qi Hong, was not going to be there for her and uh, acknowledged her feelings when she had them, but then kind of boxed them away after she sent back the doll that he gifted her. Minglan was upset for a little bit, but when Chi Hung tried to talk to her after hearing he uh, or that Minglan was going to marry Gu Tingye, Minglan refused to see him. She was done with that relationship. I think that type of resolve is something to be commended. And a lot of us may not be able to do that <laughs> in our own personal lives, but it's something we can aspire to. Well, thank you, Karen, for that. Let's then turn our attention towards all of the history that we learned um, for this series. I want to discuss a bit more about the Song Dynasty itself. Like I said in the last episode, the Song Dynasty, at least for me growing up, kind of got a bad rep due to the time period's lack of military conquest. True, the dynasty's footprint might not have matched those of the Tang Dynasty before it, or the Ming and Qing dynasties after it. But the Song Dynasty's culture and booming economy more than made up for its comparatively subdued military prowess. This is not to say that the Song Dynasty did not engage in military conquests, it's just that other aspects of this dynasty were more interesting. Let's take a look at the economy of that time. During the early years of the Song Dynasty, so around 980 AD, its population was 37 million people. By 1124 AD, that population grew to 126 million people. That was the first time the population surpassed uh, 100 million in China, I believe. This growth couldn't have happened without a corresponding explosion in the economy. Even though agriculture still dominated uh, society, it was during the Song Dynasty that trade and commerce truly began to flourish. In the South, 
Tea, bamboo, lumber, and paper became top items for trade. The most coveted trading item, though, was silk. Robust supply chains and trade routes were established to satisfy the growing demands for silk. More and more people also uh, during the Song Dynasty specialized in different trades, such as porcelain and tea, which we saw much of in the drama. The Song Dynasty also boasted the use of the first paper currency um, to be used in circulation and also minted copper coins at an unprecedented rate during this time period. I'll kind of call out a couple of the highlights of history that we went through and discussed throughout the drama. So in episodes 9 and 10, we discussed Si Da Ya Shi, Dou Cha, Cha Hua, Gua Hua, and Pin Xiang. These are again the four arts of life, which include tea brewing, flower arranging, painting appreciation, and incense burning. And these were viewed as favorite pastimes during the Song Dynasty. We saw this in those episodes when Madame or Kong Momo came to teach these arts to the Sheng family ladies. Let's also recall in episode 21 where we were introduced to stir fry or chop. This is the first time or the Song Dynasty is where stir fry was invented because well, a wok or guo was invented. We've referenced several times throughout this drama this book, Dongjing uh, Lu, The Eastern Capital, A Dream of Splendor. It was first printed in 1187, which is, as we mentioned, roughly around 130 years after the events of the show. It consisted of fascinating firsthand accounts of culture during the Song Dynasty, including urban life, restaurants, nightlife, trade, dishes. Um, so as you can see, life and culture was very much flourishing during this time. I will say for a side note that one of Karen's favorite actresses, Liu Yifei, or Crystal Liu, or Mulan, is in an upcoming TV show that depicts this time period called Meng Hua Lu. So we're very excited about that. Next, we also discussed at length the imperial entrance exams. This was shown in episode 12, where we had the Sheng family men and, of course, Gu Tingye and Qi Hong all going to take their exams. In the Song Dynasty, there were three exams that a man, unfortunately, only men, must go through. They were ex respectively the Xiang Shi, or the country exam, the Sheng Shi, the provincial or metropolitan exam, and the Dian Shi, or the palace exam. Throughout the course of this drama, we also discussed the Song Dynasty aristocracy, the proper etiquette of women, and the unfortunate restrictions to women. I will just call out that in this specific drama, specifically episodes 23 and 24, we did get a glimpse of what powers, let's just say, a woman did have um, in the face of a very ugly marriage. So if we recall, this is the marriage of Shulan, and we discussed the difference between a divorce versus a separation. So a divorce is xiuqi, and a separation is heli. For a divorce, the formal term is a repudiation where a husband renounces the wife. The wife must have committed one of seven acts, 
um, which was a big no-no for women. Again, more restrictions on women. The Chinese word is xiuqi for divorcing a wife. If the wife committed one of the seven acts, then the husband had every right to divorce this wife. Heli or separation was much milder. Heli is where the man and woman exit the marriage contract on both sides. And the woman, let's say, doesn't lose her entire reputation in the separation. The reason why I call this out is because in dramas, we don't really see an instance of either a xiuqi, a divorce, or a heli in historical dramas. We really quite oftentimes see threats, but nobody actually goes through it. So it was actually quite empowering to see Shulan finally put her foot down with the Sheng family to say, I will separate from you. And that was just about a smattering of all the history that we discussed in the drama. You can go back and listen to, again, the 73 episode recaps that we have, or 70 plus episode recaps that we have. But next, let's kind of conclude with um, some fun discussions about our favorite characters, least favorite characters, favorite actors, um, to round out and conclude this series. Okay, I will give my favorite characters of the drama, only the drama, I won't discuss the book. So my top five are Grandma Shung, because she is a badass lady, Madame Wong, because she is a hilarious person. Chang Mo Mo, because of course, she kind of spat in the face of Madame Kong, and whoever does that gets an A plus in my book. Kong Mo Mo is number four, because she saw right through Mistress Lin and kind of the nasty lady that she was. And finally, we have our heroine Ming Lan rounding out number five, because of course, she was fantastic throughout the series. Karen, who are your top five favorite characters? So I'm actually going to include a man um, <laughs> because for some reason, uh, or actually at least two men, um, because the, most of the men in this drama are not the best. But number one is going to be Grand Shang. For all the things we've talked about before, Grand Shang is just a wonderful, caring, but just intelligent woman that... I just wish I could meet her in real life. I feel like I would want to like have tea with her and just learn about her entire life experiences. Number two, I'm actually going to say Chang Bai. Kathy, how can you miss Chang Bai? He is like the best older brother. Like he was standing up to society and his family under all that pressure to help his younger sister for what is right and also save Grandma Sheng. So I think Chang Pai gets my number one vote or number two vote. Next up is going to be Ming Lan. I do think Ming Lan is such a unique character and a strong character that I aspire to be. Um, and I take a lot of inspiration from her in my real life moving forward. Number four is going to be Gu Tingye. I know, Kathy, you don't like him a whole lot, but I think he's someone who persevered under a lot of difficulties and hardships growing up. He is not without his flaws, particularly that he is so uh, focused on romance when everybody else has other things to do. But I do think if I were 
Uh, if people are lucky enough to have a partner like him who really focuses on his partner in a relationship, that is something to be um, commended for. And lastly, is someone that I don't think most people will uh, list in their top favorites is for me, I round out my list with actually Madam Zhang. Particularly in episode 72, where she had, she was grabbing her sword and commanding her family of servants to protect her household. I thought she was just so strong. Um, and for her in the face of um, the disrespect that she faced at the hands of her husband, many people would have walked away from it, but she made the decision to stay because she needed to represent her own family. And she understood the gravity of what her marriage to the state uncle, So Shen Guojiu, meant. So for me, I think she is another very, very strong woman. She's also a, uh, turned out to be a great friend to Minglan. So for that, um, I, Count Madam Zhang in my top five. Okay, now let's move on to our least favorite characters. But see, for me, I feel like my least favorite characters are also literally the equivalent of the best actors in this drama for me, because here's my list. I think no, in no particular order for this, I don't have like a number one, two, three, four, five. It's just least favorite characters and also favorite actors. Mistress Lin. Lin Xiangyang, I thought Gao Lu, the actress, did an amazing job. Uh, Madame Tin, the actress for Madame Tin was fantastic. She was able to portray the serene and graceful um, wife of a, a marquis. So she was this graceful marchioness, but in an instant, she could turn into this vile, calculating manipulative woman and her last scene where she you know threw herself into the flames was such a iconic scene for me that I really think the actress did a great job number three Man Yang. <laughs> I don't think there's one character that I disliked more in this drama than Zhu Man Yang. so that goes to show what Li Xiao did for the character um and then a close second to my dislike for her is Aunt Kang. So Kang Yima, um, <laughs> it's the, the, her character is so iconic that even like yesterday, I think there was a trending topic about um, the actress's new role where she is, you know, chasing somebody for a, a relationship. And then literally the trend was Aunt Kang is chasing X, Y, and Z. It's because they're like, huh, isn't this Aunt Kang from the story of Ming Lan? What is she doing in this drama? So those four women, for me, are my least favorite characters in the drama, but also the best actresses in the drama. And then number five, for me, is actually Sheng Hong, so uh, Minglan's father. I thought he did a great job portraying this slimy, cold-hearted yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah, who was also like a coward. Um, and the, the only way you could do that is by having such a great actor. So those are my five characters. I don't know, Kathy, what you think, but yeah. Okay, so I agree. I think I'll just list my like top three least favorite act, least favorite characters, and that would be A. Madame Kong, B. Manyang, and C. Madame Qin. So pretty standard. 
As for my favorite actors or actresses who did really well in this drama, um, I would say number one, it's going to be Madame Kang. I've seen her in other dramas and she plays a very straight-laced person and she's phenomenal in this role of like the unhinged evil woman. Number two, Man Yang, as what Karen said. Number three, Mrs. Lin. Um, number four is actually going to be my fave, Wang Danyang's and Madame Wang, because, man, she just got the uh, humor just right. I love the scene, if you remember early on, where, um, oh, it was when Chang Bai uh, passed his entrance exams, and Madame Wang was so happy, and she just, like, bolted out of her rooms and just, like, promptly tripped and, like, fell. But that was hilarious. I don't think many actresses uh, could pull that off. And then lastly, number five would be, I agree, also Madame Tin. The evil women were just on a different level from an acting perspective. All right, that wraps up our discussion of the story of Ming Lan or Zhu Fo, Zhu Fo, Ying Shi Lu Fei Hong Shou. Let us know via email or social media what your thoughts were on this drama. For me, I know that this drama will continue to be one I have on the background as it's simply comfort food now. And maybe I'll learn something we missed in our recaps. I'm super grateful that this drama was made and that we had the opportunity to discuss it with all of you. Thank you all so much again for joining us on this journey. We've had such a good time chatting about this drama. We also do have a fun slate ahead of us for our next podcast episodes, so please do stay tuned and continue listening to us. It's been an amazing ride, and we look forward to creating additional episodes for you in the future. The music you heard in this episode is this other piece called Lan, probably the last time you'll hear it, with sheet music by Bing Jiu Wu Jun and played by yours truly. If you are looking for a spot to watch Chinese dramas, please do head on over to Jubao TV, our sponsor for a selection of Chinese dramas and movies to watch, all with English subtitles and are free. This is applicable to those of you in the States. If you have any comments or questions on the show, please reach out to us at Karen and Kathy at ChasingDramas.com or at Chasing Dramas on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you all so much again for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode.